Hey nerds, we are back with another episode of Drunken Uncultured. In my new apartment. In Lindsay's new apartment. Just listen to that silence for a second. You mean listen to that air conditioning? Well, there's no Lakeshore Drive traffic, so... That's true, there's no traffic. Yeah, it's nice. Like you were just saying, it's so quiet. Except for the air conditioner, which is fine, because air conditioning's loud, and you need it, because Chicago gets hot as fuck. Yes. So, it's been a little under two weeks since we last recorded. Yeah, we uh, recorded right before you moved, and we're recording right after you moved. Yep. The first thing you set up was the laptop. That Not laptop, My desktop, yeah. I sent you a photo of it. <laughs> yeah, that was the first photo you sent me was of the desktop. It's like, we're ready to go in five days because it was Saturday when, or Friday yeah. when I moved. I think I set it up on Sunday or something like that. It doesn't matter. Um, so, what have you been doing since the last episode? Um, what have I been doing? So, last time we recorded was just after Radiohead. Oh, that's right. I feel like that was so long ago, but that was not even two weeks no, ago. No, it's been like a week and a half. Yeah. Um, we went, oh man, so a week ago today, we went and saw, by we, I mean Lindsay and I, went with a few of our friends to the House of Vans. Oh yeah, I And we about saw that. the Dead Milkmen. That was a good show. That was fun. I was my first time at House of Vans. I love that place. It was a lot of fun because they have like free beer and um, like free rosé, or not rosé, but free like cider. Cider. Which we don't drink. No, we don't drink that. bullshit. We only drink old man grumpy. Yeah. Because we're grumpy old women. Um, we went to House fun. of Vans. Um, Friday, I did a little, uh, excuse me, um, I did a little art walking gotcha. in Pilsen. Friday, I was moving. We also went over to Low Res, and that was a couple of my friends' first time over there, and they loved it because that tap room was lovely. And then I saw a TV girl at Shuba's. Gotcha. That was also great. And then we went to Beauty Bar, and Pat Mahoney from LCD Sound System was there, and he was DJing. And, and played very bad music. It was just too. Not dance music. Like yeah. it, the music was good, but I was there to dance because it's beauty bar. It was too like you said, like kind of like psychedelic, like soft. It was too like deep house sounding. Gotcha. I would say that's a better way to describe it. Like, he was trying to play like house music, but obviously you're at beauty bars with a dance bar, and that was kind of weird. And then Saturday we got back together mm-hmm. and we saw. The Flaming Lips. Oh, I love the Flaming Lips. We also so fun. saw a band that we had never seen before. And as Lay soon as they came, Yeah. And as soon as they came on, we're like, I fucking love this band. Lady Butcherettes is a Mexican band. They've toured with um, At The Drive-In. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and they were really good. Like, the lead singer is fucking weird, but I love it. Um, they were what so is it? weird. Terry Genderbender, I think is the lead singer's name. Oh, I didn't even look that up. I looked that up because I loved her name. And she does some weird shit, and it was great. And the whole time Stephanie and her were like... This is so weird. I and fucking And of course, we were made to feel super weird by Steve. Yeah. Like, we knew all the time. It was good. They were good. The, the Flaming, flaming Lips, Lips were, were wonderful. Yeah, that was good. so much fun. I yeah. love the Flaming Lips. We were Lips. very close, too, because we all got there, like, four... They went out at, what, like, 7.30? They went out at, like... No, they went out at, like, 6.45. Uh, yeah. 
And we got there at like 3.30. We got there as soon as the doors opened to get into the seating. So this was at Taste of Chicago. Yeah. So it was open to the public of the Cretans that are Chicago. Inns. Chicago yeah. Inns. Yeah. yeah. That's what they're called. <laughs> so we did that. Um, we haven't done anything this week, have we? I ran a 5K on did Sunday. Run a 5K. I hung out with Steve. Derek and our friend Alex to watch. While I ran a 5K. While Stephanie ran a 5K, day drinking, um, playing board games. And. It's been it since. It's been it since, yeah. I went um, blonder. So you your did go blonder. Um, tomorrow we are going to Pitchfork. We are. Your girl's very so, excited to see Tame Impala. I mean, from tomorrow when we're recording this, by the time you hear this, Pitchfork will have come and gone, yeah, and so will like several of music festivals. Two weeks from the episode about emo is when you'll get this that, episode. That episode goes up, what, Monday? Yep. All right, so... Two weeks from... You'll be hearing this like a week and a half after Pitchfork took place, and I'm sure we loved it. You'll be hearing this August 6th. Oh, so after Lollapalooza. After Lollapalooza. All right, so you'll be hearing this after like the really busy fucking schedule that we, we have. We have for the three, next three weekends weeks. of music festivals, week to week yep. to week. So Pitchfork this weekend. We're going to one day of Mopop next week. Then Stephanie's going to see the Food Fighters um, the day after Mopop. I'm going to see the Food Fighters two days after Mopop, and then we're going to like a million Lala shows because we're seeing pre-show for Franz Ferdinand. We're seeing Lala then All four days. after show for We have an after Jungle. show Thursday and an after show Saturday. Yes. So it's going to be crazy. Um, but then you'll hear this after that. Yep. So we got to figure out when to record after that, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, because the weekend after Lollapalooza, I'm going back to Detroit. I have tickets to David Byrne with my dad. Yep. And the weekend after that, we just got tickets to the Big North with Half Acre. Yes, and we're going to see Post Animal for the third time this year at that point. Yeah, third time. Would so. have been my fourth time, but I decided to go see another band instead of them at Shaggy Oh, sure, because I mean, now it's three, so yeah. it makes sense. That's, we're going to give up a band that's probably the band to give up on. Well, I went and saw at Shaky Knees, they played at the same time as always. Yeah, no, I'm, what I mean so, is, like, if yeah. you're going to see them three times, you may as well, like, skip out on a band that you're going to see yeah. two times for the year. So I do, like, Granted, always. Like, you didn't know. Yeah. All right, so, just a uh, heads up, we are recording for my new apartment, as we mentioned in the intro, um, but we also haven't put up a clubhouse, because we kind of want to see what it sounds like without a clubhouse. So, this is a test run to see how this sounds, and if we need to, like, rebuild the clubhouse or not. Yep. Um, bigger so, and better. And yeah, better. if we, um... We'll have to figure it out. All right. All right. That was that. So, big news in Lindsay World. I got uh, an Echo, Amazon Echo, and Stephanie and I have been fucking annoying the shit out of Derek. And your neighbors. And my neighbors by just playing songs, like, for the first 30 seconds at the most and then switching it. Yep. We keep playing Despacito to piss Derek off. Um, But, (laughs) speaking of movies... Um, that's not, I don't know why I said that. Nothing to do with movies. Nothing to do with um, movies. Today. Well, what are we drinking, Stephanie? So, right, let me start with saying, bef- right before we recorded. Yes. We went to the Emporium in Wicker Park to take place in night one of six. Yes. That will take place over the next six months 
of the United Beers of Emporium. So Emporium Wicker Park is hosting an event one night a month where it is beers from one part of the country. It's been like beers from one state, it looks like. Well, they describe it as part, but yes, it is one state of the country. So tonight, to start it off, was... All Illinois beers and by really all Chicago. Beers. I was gonna say, and by all Illinois, they meant all Chicago. So, so it was like half acre, half acre, pipeworks, off color, winer, winer, revolution, um, Hopewell. Yes, I think there was one more, but I can't remember who it was. Regardless, we went to there, we drank some Malort. Yep. And now we are drinking uh, Tart and Tangy from Mars. And just before this, we drank... Overhaze. Overhaze by Mars as well. Yeah, so on our way home from work today, we went and picked... We went over to uh, Liquor Park, picked up some Mars beers, Mm -hmm. and... Because Lindsay has not had either of these before. And now I've moved to a really great part of the city. And now we can drink all the Mars. Yep. And maybe one day we'll take the Ashland bus all the way down to Mars. Yeah. I mean, it's a trip, but it's worth it. Yeah. All right. So, you want to intro the episode? Yeah. So, we've talked about doing this probably since, this is one of our our first ideas we ever had for an episode. Yeah. And um, we've talked about doing this several times. Yes. But I think it kind kind of came to fruition Fruition, fruition. Fruition is the right word, yes. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. I'm Came like to fruition. Fruition? Yes. I'm like four beers deep, yeah. plus Malort, plus tequila, plus I don't know. Oh, I forgot what the tequila is, what you take a shot of. Um, so this idea really like came to fruition at the Radiohead show a few weeks ago. Yes. And I was like, Lindsay, let's talk about this on our next recording. Because and I'm our, always down for whatever idea, because... Because you don't come up with ideas, I come up with ideas. No, I really don't do much except You just post. edit. Yeah. You edit and I post. sit here and talk. But, so today, we are talking about movie soundtracks. Yes. So, before we get into our opinions, do we want to talk about what we have been doing for the last two weeks? So, for the last two weeks, we've been posting on our Facebook page and our Instagram... Um, asking for people's opinions of certain things. So last week we actually forgot to talk about, um, so this is kind of a quick sober thought. We forgot to talk about people's favorite emo albums. Oh, that's right. I forgot we've been trying to do that Yeah, so like since we didn't talk about it last week, I just want to quickly shout out that, um, Zeppelin is crying right next to me, but, um, we have my friend Jessica saying All Time Low was her favorite emo albums and she's been listening to them since after 2010, which is one of the questions we asked for. Um, our friend Rachel says that she's still waiting on a something corporate reunion show. Um, another saw, something, another something corporate yeah. reunion show. Saw Dashboard Confessional last year. Um, Motion City soundtrack had a really great uh, sing along farewell tour. Um, Stephanie's friend Erica says Penny my Disco, old college roommate and Arcade Fire. And then my friend Thais says um, Fall Out Boy and Panic of the Disco, and they, she's listened to post-2010 stuff. So, because we forgot about that, I just want to quickly say, shout them what, out. Uh, what 
post 2010 releases from emo bands did you listen to? The main. Anyone else? Um, I've listened to some Fall Out Boy, but it's bad. Yeah, I mean, and Good Charlotte. I listened to a decent bit of Good Charlotte after. So I was gonna say, like, the one band I can think of that was like an emo band that I listened to album releases post was like Panic at the Disco. Yeah, Panic at the Disco too. Yeah, probably Death up until. I haven't really listened to much of the new stuff. I still, ha- I've seen Dashboard Confessional. I mean, I sat second row yeah. at his private show last year, but um, I don't listen to his new music. I wasn't a huge fan of his new album, but um, I was a big fan of the Panic at the Disco. Like, what was it, 2016? He released his last album. He Death rele- of a Bachelor. That's that what I was one. referring to. Just oh. Like, yeah. And you, when I said Death of a Bachelor, you're like, I haven't been listening to his new stuff. I thought you said Dashboard Confessional. Oh, I'm no. sorry. I said Death of a Bachelor. But I, I definitely heard honestly, Dashboard Confessional. Honestly, I probably slurred it. Because so, Dashboard sorry. Confessional released an album earlier this year. Yeah, no, I probably slurred it. All right, so moving on. Um, on our recent Facebook post, we asked for our friends and our followers to tell us what their favorite movie soundtrack was. Which we will come to towards the end of today's episode. Sure. I have a segment. Okay, sure. In the notes for it. Sure. That's fine. Um, so, yeah. Sober Thought, we forgot to mention that in the email episode, so I just wanted to quickly shove it out so the people that actually took the time to write it out... Which we appreciate, yeah. because fuck all of you that just went and liked our Instagram yeah, we posts and didn't respond. Don't like shit when we're asking for opinions. Also, all those Instagram bots were mostly just liking our stuff and <laughs> yeah. not responding. That's true. Because Instagram bots can't respond. Hashtag Instabot. All right, let's get into this. Yes. Do you want to talk about, um, quickly give a background for the history of the music yes. soundtrack? All right. So, Movie soundtrack. Ugh, I don't know what I just said. All right. <laughs> Fuck it. Okay, so brief history here in typical Stephanie form. Um, <laughs> so not brief. <laughs> so the entire episode is going to be this history. All right. So soundtracks essentially are used to add an extra layer of a subtext to bring the audience deeper into whatever film they're watching. So soundtrack for film and movies started in the early 1900s, and the soundtracks were played live by a piano or an organ that was hidden in the one of the front corners of the cinema. Hold on, I just want to read the way Stephanie actually wrote this in the doc. Okay, I did this while I was at work. Early 1900, soundtracks played live by Pano Organ, played in front corner of the cinema. Alright, I was at work and typing fast, okay? I know what it's I fine. wrote. I just wanted to actually say that because it was funny. I also spelled music wrong. Yeah, I know. So. I don't know how to pronounce the way you spelled it, though. All right. So the music was either improvised by the musician, or it was like a generic cue sheet music. And the music was actually used to mask the sound of, like, film projectors. Because, oh, you know, cool. they were, like, yeah, super like the, duper loud. Yeah, the sound, the whirring sound. Yeah. So, like, 1915-ish... They started using existing music to fit the stories of the film, and they were performed by a full orchestra. So you could have up to 30 to 40 people cool. in, you know... That corner? Yeah. The corner? Not the corner. They'd be in more the like... Of the cinema. <laughs> it'd be more like in the front, and then you'd be watching like a screen above them yeah, play. Yeah. I don't know. 
I was born in 1993. I can't... I don't know. You're not as old as Sebastian Stan the Winter Soldier? Jesus Christ. (laughs) Okay. So... He's 90. By 1923 is when synchronized sound for films was coming into the mainstream. And so that's when they started using music in the films. And then by the 1930s, people started using, like songwriters and the relationships between music studios and that's when they started writing the original soundtrack and the scores for the films and then by the 1960s is when really um soundtrack albums started to be like booming on vinyl where you would go buy the soundtrack for a film you saw and then by the 1970s is when we kind of got big into what Today, we know as, as some of the, the biggest orchestral scores. scores. Yeah. So, like, that's the time period when Jaws and Star Wars came out. And then by the 1980s is when the jukebox hits. That sounded weird when I said it. It sounded fine. I do want to note that, like, sometime in the 80s, between, like, the 80s and the 90s, soundtracks kind of died down in popularity. And then I feel like in the mid-2000s, they kind of picked back up again. I would say late 90s, early 2000s, they kind of yeah. like picked back up in popularity. But so, like I was saying, in the 80s, they started using like popular music yep. that played on the radio as a soundtrack for the films. Part of the reason that people will use new original music versus existing music is typically due to like royalties. And so it's actually... Depending on who writes it and who's involved, it's cheaper to write your own music than to pay someone's royalties to use the song they already wrote. Yeah. And so um, existing music, while it adds to your viewer experience, it can be more relatable. A lot of studios now, I think now they're bringing in more like existing Existing. I mean, it depends on the film. But it like, depends on what you're going a for. A lot of the 2000s and like 2000s early was, 2010s was a lot of new music, and a lot of those out like those songs that were written by these like existing artists were nominated for like Grammys and just like blew up. Yeah, I mean, there was stuff from the 80s that were original artists, but still, I think it kind of became more. It became more of like popular contemporary artists. Yes. Mainstream. Yeah. Mainstream, mainstream, I think, is probably the best way yeah. to use this. All right, so let tell us what makes a good movie soundtrack. All right, so I've read a lot about arguments against, like, good movie. And for, for the purposes of this discussion, we're going to talk about scores and soundtracks as one. The movie soundtrack and the score yeah, is like that's one fair. for this discussion. Honestly, so. it's kind of hard to, to like ascertain the difference. Yeah, and we'll get into what the difference is yeah. in a little bit. But for this discussion, I just wanted to point out that a lot of scores can use what's called temp music. And essentially that means it's just like a filler music supplied by directors to composers as an indication of what kind of sound they're looking for in a scene or even like the film as a whole. Right. So like in horror movies, it's suspenseful music that kind of gets you on the edge. Yeah. Like, or just, it's like a generic kind of like fades in the background as like things are going on. In theory, it'd be like if I were making a horror movie and I showed, you know, I showed someone 
the theme to Halloween by John right. Carpenter. And I was like, I want my film to feel like this gotcha. with the sound. That That's sense. temp music. So you're yeah. supplying a generic sound. I mean, Halloween by John Carpenter is not, not generic. generic. But it kind of like sets the mood of that. You're, yeah, you're, you, it's you, very it's, understandable song for yes. a mood. Yes. But um, using music that matches a scene doesn't add much to the film from what I mean, from what I've noticed and what a lot of other composers have, that I've researched have agreed on. And you kind of need something that brings you into the scene in a film and soundtracks on their own don't stand out if they're just temp music. So if they're, I think today's discussion is more around like, What's cool about music soundtracks? And I mean, some well, like tap music I works. I get that because, like, a lot of movies these days, like, if you listen to it without the music, it's still a movie and it's still a good movie. But like, a lot of horror movies, they rely on that soundtrack to kind of get you into that, yeah, that feeling that like you're being watched or like that someone's behind you. And so, yeah. like, a lot, I, I get that. Like, tap music could you could do a movie without the tap music, whereas like a score in like horror or like fantastical movies, it adds to the cinema, cinematic feel yeah. of the movie. So you want your soundtrack to add to the film, not to just kind of stand idly by the film. And so I think, I mean, I've listened to a lot of film soundtracks in the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, that oh, yeah. are temp music, that are not temp music, and or that are like contemporary music. And I think honestly. My personal favorite has been more of the contemporary style music. See, I feel like a lot of contemporary style music soundtracks in albums could be taken out. And it would be fine without it. That's fair. But there was like... There are some movies that weave that soundtrack into what's going on in the movie. Like, we watched Drive yesterday... And they really weaved that music into the movie. I agree, movie, yeah. They used where, like, it wasn't just a soundtrack. That music was being used in, like, a party or, like, while he was driving. In the background, yeah. yeah. It wasn't just, like, it added it's kind of slow scene. right now. He's driving. Let's add some music. It was more, like, this the is sound. Of, this is the, part of the movie. Yeah. The music adds to what's going on right. right now. And I've noticed, like, a lot of contemporary soundtracks kind of use that music, like, in Thor Ragnarok has a great soundtrack or whatever music they use in the movie I don't know we had this conversation it was very confusing but like them using Immigrant Song it doesn't really add to the movie like you could watch it without it it's great to have it in there but like it doesn't actually add to the movie itself yeah and we'll talk some more about whether like songs add to a movie or they're just used in a movie or if they like, part of my association with Thor Ragnarok, for example, is the use of the immigrant song. No, I thought it was great, but it doesn't necessarily... I don't... Right. I don't but I'm think saying, it adds like, to it. Sometimes that being in the soundtrack adds to, like, the viewer experience. Oh, no, I agree with that. So... But, like, cinematically, I don't right. think it adds no, to Right. No, I, I agree Granted, with Thor that. Ragnarok, cinematically, is not a cinematic... It's a superhero movie. It's not like... Yeah, it's not meant to be appeal, a but. cinematic movie. So we quickly want to mention the difference between like the score and the soundtrack and the songs that are just kind of in the, in the movie, movie yeah that aren't part of the soundtrack so a film score is defined 
according to the internet, as the interwebs. The interwebs. It's defined as the music composed specifically for the film to serve and enhance the story. Typically instrumental only so as to not compete with the dialogue. Yes. But soundtrack can refer to score plus original music plus whatever else they want to put. Yeah. And then we also want to call out, we'll mention later some songs that were in movies that never actually made it to the soundtrack. That never made it to the soundtrack. Yeah. Right. So, do you want to quickly go over some composers and some of their like icon- or some yes. iconic sound Let's scores? Let's talk iconic scores because I love talking about this. Yes. So I know I already mentioned that I love the popular music, but some of the like, most iconic some of the most iconic scores are like popular music as well. In their yeah, own. I agree. So let's break it down by composer, because that's probably an easier way to look at it, rather than listing all of the things we can possibly think of. Let's start with John Williams. John Williams has done some iconic scores. So he's been composing since the 1950s. He's actually in his mid-80s right now. Really? I did not know know that. I did not. So he's done Star Wars. Indiana Jones. Harry Potter, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, E.T., and Jaws. Like, those are Those are some huge. huge. Like, Star Wars, Indiana Jones. Well, I'm not going to fucking Potter. name them all over here. Yeah, but if you Like, think- you can list at least one, or you can, like, hum at least one of those scores off of any of those, off of any of those I movies. mean... Like, Hedwig's theme. Anything off of the Star Wars original. Anything like, off of Star Wars. Yeah. Anything off of, like, the Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. Everybody knows the Jaws theme. I did not know prior to this that he wrote the Jaws theme. I didn't either. Um, so that's been interesting. Um, the next one on my list is Hans Zimmer. So he is actually... I kind of put listed these in backwards order for him. So he did the soundtrack for the upcoming film Dark Phoenix. Gotcha. He recently did the most recent Blade Runner. He did Interstellar, Dunkirk, the Dark Knight series. He's... The way I knew him the most was the Pirates of the Caribbean series. Um, um, he did Inception, The Da Vinci Code, Gladiator, and he actually worked on The Lion King. Interesting. I did not know that last one. So then you have uh, James Horner. He did mm-hmm. Avatar. A Beautiful Mind. He's most probably well known for Titanic. Yeah. And then Braveheart. And then Howard Shore did... The Lord of the Rings series, The Hobbit, and Silence of the Lambs. Gotcha. Cool. And then... Oh, can I talk about this one? This yeah. This is my favorite. Please do. So my favorite composer of all time is probably Danny Elfman, who he's most probably well known as being the singer of Oingo Boingo from the 1980s. Jesus Christ. But okay. he has done so many film soundtracks. Between being the voice of Jack Skellington in the Nightmare Before Christmas right. series, he also wrote that soundtrack. Yeah. He was the composer for Men in Black. He worked on Sam Raimi's Spider-Man series. He did the Milk movie. He did Silver Linings Playbook. He's done most of Tim Burton's movies, so he's known for, like, Beetlejuice, the original Batman, Edward Scissorhands, Big Fish... He got invited to work on the Fifty Shades of Grey series. Oh, God. And he did the Justice League. Interesting. The most recent one. Cool. Justice League was bad. So. I didn't see it, but I know it's he worked on the soundtrack. Movie. 
All right, so then some interesting new scores. All right, so we're going to attempt to say this probably wrong now. Roman Javadi. That's as close as we're going to get. Yeah, so he did Iron Man, Pacific Rim, Warcraft, Clash of the, Ti- Clash of the Titans, Game of Thrones, and Westworld. He's super famous right now because he's done... Because of Westworld. Westworld. For doing, like, those also, remixes of, like, he, classic grunge and rock. Yeah. Yeah. But he also has been doing Actually, a, like, international tour of the Westworld... Or not Westworld, shit. Uh, the Game of Thrones, like, live music. No, but so, like, this guy has toured all over the place cool. as a conductor doing a live yeah. Game of Thrones musical tour. Interesting. He actually played the United Center last fall, uh-huh. and I think this fall they're doing Rosemont Arena. Oh, wow. Or, I'm sorry, Allstate Arena in yeah. Rosemont. I have Ludwig... Goranson? Goranson. Probably also pronounced wrong. Yeah, but he did Creed, and he's most recently been noticed as the composer for the Black Panther film soundtrack. And he also works in music production, and he kind of got a big following for working on Redbone with Childish Gambino. Cool. Johnny Greenwood. I love Johnny Greenwood's work. There Will Be Blood. We need to talk about Kevin. He was nominated for an Oscar for his work on Phantom Thread. Yes. And then I also want to mention... So as much as I don't like the band Nine Inch Nails, um, Trent Reznor worked on Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, he worked on Gone Girl, and he worked on The Social Network. Cool, interesting. So there's a lot of work recently, I think, with musicians that are not classically, you know, composers and been working on film scores. Yeah. Right. I mean, plus we can always call up John Williams if we want someone that's a real good composer for films. All right. So let's get into actual movies. Okay. So our list is kind of messy, and we're gonna. I'm gonna start by our list. I mean, Stephanie made a list. I'm just gonna talk about it. Yeah, I made a list, and it's kind of messy. So the first thing that we should talk about is that like we found a list online. It's like a hundred best soundtracks. A while ago. yeah. A while ago, so we had to listen to it. And, like, at least for me, when I was listening to the soundtracks, I kind of pulled from that list, and we talked for a few minutes about it. Yeah. Names of albums that we wanted to talk about. Let's start with, I think, a film that's been super big with the soundtrack recently. I mean, recently, recently. within the last couple of years. Yeah, when it came out. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So, I think a big thing to call out here was that the music was very typical of... The 1970s. Yes, so like when Peter Quill was taken from Earth. Yeah. So the idea, um, in an interview with the director, he said that the the music was used as a plot device to establish Peter Quill's attachment to Earth. And a, an emotional connection to his late mother, who's the one that gave him the Walkman. Right. And then he says that all of the songs were essentially songs that Quill's mother would have liked. And there's also sort of like a spaciness about some of the tracks that reminded the director of like the comic book writer. So what I like about the soundtrack a lot is that there are songs that we know. 
Oh, there's so many songs we know. Gives you that ability to connect with the character because he's listening to music that you know. And what I liked about this movie as well with the soundtrack is that the songs are integrated into the movie. It's not like they're some of them are playing over like certain parts, but like it's him listening to a sound his Walkman and it's playing a song, or him plugging it into his spaceship and it's playing a song. Like it's integrated into the actual movie itself and like what's happening in the movie. I mean, uh, there's been there was so much music on, music on the soundtrack. So Guardians of the Galaxy awesome mix, which is what the one. soundtrack is kind of known as for the for volume one. Yeah, hooked on a feeling. Uh, Moon Age Daydream was on there. I want you back by the Jackson Five. Ain't no mountain high enough. Like there yeah. were so many songs. And then even in like volume two, Mr. Blue Sky by ELO, The Chain by Fleetwood Mac. Oh, such a good song. Surrender by Cheap Trick. Like Parliament was on yeah. that. So like, you have an article on our notes about how the second soundtrack is partially was partially chosen to manipulate your emotions and it really fits well with what's going like each song fits it does. well with what's going on in the movie. It really does. So after, I mean the first one I think and I mean like we obviously have not talked to James Gunn. So we don't know yeah. this for sure, but Oh wait, it, you're not friends with James Gunn? I wish. Yeah, I know. Um same. I I think the first film was more like an experiment to see what he could do with it. Yeah. And then the second one, he was like, oh, I'm going to use, uh, recommend all of these songs to manipulate the emotions that yeah. you feel within the film. And he actually picked most of these songs. Uh-huh. Like, it was, there was some involvement with outside influences, but James Gunn has already, he's released, like, he calls it on Spotify, Awesome Mix Volume Zero. And it's the songs that he used to inspire him behind the series. Cool. All right, so next album. Let's skip the next one and go on to the third one on the list. Okay. So the third one on the list are, I'm sorry. So the next thing we're going to talk about is. Ugh, we're talking about the Black Panther. Uh, my favorite recent. It's my soundtrack. one of my favorite recent ones as well. Um, Black Panther. And. This is one of the soundtracks that I listen to, and it really suits the pace of the movie. It works. Like, when we... They did an interesting job, so between the score of the film... I mean, the film also features the Kendrick Lamar album. Yes, so it... The song Black Panther is on there. Ops is on it. Um... They the during the ending credits the big single yeah. all the stars between Kendrick and SZA. So when we first when you first listened to this album, you told me like you, we reviewed this in a previous episode. Yeah, where you say like it kind of gets slow towards the middle. But my thing was that this album follows the pace of the movie. Where it like, does. Where it, it starts off very quick because like down. it's thrown plot at yeah. you and then slows down because it's building. And, and then, then it, it throws up more, at the end. Yeah. yeah. Climaxes. And it, the album follows that. And I really like that about this. I, I also love fucking that love, album. like, I love Vince Staples. I love that he's on a soundtrack. I love, I love Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar. Lamar. I love SZA. So it's, this is a really good album as a whole. It has some fucking amazing songs. And it's really cool to watch that movie and, like, love this album and hear some of the songs. So, like, Ops, when it's, 
Um, ooh, sorry, not ops. Oops. It's ops. Is it ops? There's two Bs. We've talked about this. We've gone back and forth. Oh, you say it's oops, and he said, yeah, it's ops. It's ops. Um, ops, when they're doing the car chase scene, is just, like, fitting for that moment. And because it's, like, Vince Staples, and it's racially charged just because it's Vince Staples, and that's just the way he, like, embodies his music, it's so great in that scene. Like, all of the songs that are actually featured in the movie are perfectly fitting, like, suited for the, the section that they're in. So, this entire soundtrack was put together by Kendrick Lamar and his label, and so he, anyone that's on this, he invited to Do be you on this. want to quickly name the album? Because I feel like naming the album kind of gives you an idea of what it is. Black Panther, the album, music from and inspired by. Yeah, so that being said, some of the songs are on the album, some of them are inspired by scenes in it yes. or like the plot so i actually found a really cool article that discusses the impact that this album had in comparison to another film soundtrack from a film that was garbage so the article i have in front of me compares this soundtrack to the suicide squad Ooh. soundtrack okay which also is not great but so it says Black Panther, the album, recognizes that the key to a good soundtrack is good chemistry, not just noteworthy names, but for good measure, it delivers on both. A hundred percent Because if you true. think back of like, so the Suicide Squad album featured 21 pilots, Panic at the Disco, yes. like big, big names, names that and didn't the songs do anything for it. did not fit together no. with the film. Whereas this entire album flows, and you can see how it's related it's put to together, the movie. and it relates it's to the film. It's a thoughtful album. I think yeah. is the best way to describe yeah. it. It's thoughtful. It's not like somebody was like banger, banger, bop. The song slaps. Like they're just picking a bunch of songs to go in it. You just threw out a bunch of words. I did, but like this, all the songs on this album are incredible. But oh, it's not so like they good. were picked just because. They're famous and they're gonna sell albums. No, because, because of their if names. you think about it, some of these artists—I mean, Sway to me. us, we yeah. know who they are. But some are like some of the people on this album weren't as like Vince well Staples known. is not that well known, but like we fucking love Vince Staples. And then Schoolboy Q did the yeah. song X, and I mean, yes, I knew who Schoolboy Q yes, is, but I, I don't think. Maybe publicly, people are still stuck in up their ass listening to Taylor Swift and not Schoolboy Q. I don't know. I also love that in this album, there are songs that are like, I am the king, I am T'Challa. And like these, they'll stop the song and they'll chant something that's yeah. from the album. So like it kind of ties in that way. Yeah. Um, I think that Kendrick Lamar did an incredible Kendrick, job with this yeah, album. Kendrick did an incredible job. Like there's no denying how good this album is. Like, you know that when The Weeknd plays Lollapalooza, he's going to play Pray For Me. Oh, I hope so. I mean, I'm not going to see him. I want to see him just for that, but I hope so. I'm not going to see him, but we got to move yes. on. Because this is a good album, and you if you haven't listened to it, listen to it, because you're fucking missing out. All right, so the next one I want to go to is Baby Driver. Okay. So Baby Driver came out in 2017. The thing I like about Baby Driver is that this, that movie fully integrates songs into it. 
It does. So, like, this, when I say, like, it's nice, I like having soundtracks that are integrated in the movie. Baby Driver epitomizes that, where I would Baby is singing the songs or, like, dancing to them. I would almost say that it was kind of like Baby Driver was built around the soundtrack. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Baby's personality is built around these songs. Agreed. So, an actual, an interesting comparison that I'm finding right now is Baby Driver, the way the soundtrack came about in comparison to the film is very similar to the way that Guardians of the Galaxy was structured around the music. That makes sense. When movies are that integrated with their soundtrack, it makes sense. I love it. I think that's like, so much more fun to listen to. Oh, I agree. Than like movies that are just like, here's a song, throw it in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, this album has Beck, it has Queen. Has the Damned. Yeah. Has the Beach Boys. Like, it's got, it's got everything. It has Alex Corner. Like, it's just got a ton of stuff. And it's just, it's really well integrated into the movie, which I really like. Ooh, I forgot that I forgot that the song "Chase Me" yeah, I forgot that by was on Danger there too. Mouse with "Run the Jewels" and Big Boy. I'm pretty that sure that was nominated for an Oscar. Probably, I forgot that was on there as well. That's really cool. Yeah, so the movie itself, to me, Baby Driver was a good movie, but like I think mm. the soundtrack is what builds. The I don't movie. like. I liked it. Now I don't. All right, let's, let's... go on to Twilight. Okay, so this one we this I think was the stem of where this yeah I mean discussion so came from. not even like probably four or five months ago you messaged me on Skype and you were like, can we talk about how Twilight really is what brought soundtracks back into like the twenty first twenty first century? So I think it's almost for me it's a bigger deal because so many songs that I have fallen in love with over the years or like bands that I had been listening to forever. St. Vincent was on a Twilight soundtrack. That's how I fell in love with St. Vincent. I'm not gonna lie. Florence at the Machine. The Black Keys. Yeah, Radiohead had a Twilight song. Radiohead had a song that was in a Twilight film. It was not on the soundtrack. Yeah, that's probably what we need to do. Like, Band of Skulls, who I fucking love, was on a, a Twilight soundtrack. So, these albums had artists like Muse, Paramore, Perry Farrell, Collective Soul, Linkin Park. Lupe Fiasco, Band like, of Skulls. The Black the song, Keys. I think the, so, the Sia. biggest song that probably came out of that series was an existing song, and it was Flightless Bird, American Mouth by Iron and Wine. See, I disagree. I think the Paramore song is bigger than that. Uh Uh-uh. No way. No way. Can you try and tell me that Paramore original song for this movie was bigger? I mean, that's fine, but I disagree. I mostly just don't like Paramore. I know, but I disagree. I think the Paramore song was bigger. The Paramore song was huge. Um, But, like, I think the Twilight movies were an example of just throwing big names into a soundtrack. And then not having them really integrate with the movie. Where yeah, because like, if they're, they're just throwing songs in If places. you look back, so like the original Twilight film, they're playing baseball and Supermassive Black Hole by Muse plays. Like, right. It has nothing to do with anything. So like, this is one of the examples where they're just throwing songs on an album because they can. 
Yeah, but those albums are real good. They're good albums, but they're not good soundtracks. They're not good soundtracks. They're good, like, compilation albums, but they're not good soundtracks. So, and I think that's there what... was some cool original music, and we'll come back to original music a little bit later in this episode, but there was some cool original music for these films. So, like, Death Cab for Cutie wrote an original song. Yeah. Muse wrote an original Paramore song. Paramore wrote an original song. Yeah. And hate Paramore. But I think that... At the end Bruno of the, Mars. Yeah, I just think at the end of song. the day that these albums were good compilation albums, but if we're talking about soundtracks and how they integrate with movies, they weren't they weren't good. But what if you think about soundtracks that stand at the test of time where you want to go back and listen to a film soundtrack? I want to go back and listen to the Twilight soundtrack. No, and I agree with that, but I think as a movie soundtrack, quote movie soundtrack, it's not a good movie. And using that qualifier movie in it. It's not a good movie soundtrack. It's a good album. And it's an album that you want to listen to time and time again. But it's not a good movie soundtrack. Because I, it doesn't relate to the movie. They're just fucking songs that they throw in there. If we're going to talk about how Suicide Squads just picks big name artists and throws them in there. Then that, that how's that different than Twilight? That's fair. Like it's I not, also never saw Suicide Squad. I didn't either. But like, if we're going to talk about how people hate Suicide Squads soundtrack... We have to talk about how Twilight's not much different than that. I think that's fair. I understand your point. Um, you want to talk about this important note that you have? Oh, so this kind of leads into... Fucking random al- artists on random albums? Yeah. So, an important thing I wanted to note. In the early 2000s, a lot of pop punk bands or like post-punk bands were all over movie soundtracks or they were in movies playing cameos and shit. Good Charlotte, not another team movie. Civil yeah. Plan, New York Minute. Um, I want to mention Andrew W.K. is on the Freaky Friday soundtrack. So, you know, like the Lindsay Lohan movie? <laughs> yeah. Andrew W.K. is on that soundtrack. Yeah. Bowling for Soup was in Crossroads, the Britney Spears movie. I did not know that. What song was it? Do we know? Um, let me see. It's called Greatest Day. Not relevant. It's not It's not 1985. I don't care. Um, again, are they bowling for soup or are they bowling oh, yeah. ha- uh, half, half of soup? soup? Who knows? Um, Sugar Ray was in Scooby-Doo. I forgot about that. He fucking sings to Daphne. I forgot about Wait, that. Wait, I forgot about that. I did too. Yeah, so, I mean... It was weird, like, a lot of 90s, early 2000s movies had pop-punk bands in them, and it was just fucking, like, that was a thing, and I don't know why. Alright, so let us move into the greatest soundtrack, not really, though, not in my opinion, but, um, fucking the song that, the soundtrack that, like, blew up Seal. Also not true, but in my Batman opinion. Forever! Batman Forever And this is an article that says, Six Reasons Kiss from a Rose by Seal from Batman Forever is the greatest soundtrack song. Because the 90s were never more romantic. So, um... And if you think about it, like, so this song came out prior to Batman. Yes. And then it got... apparently. It got really big through being on the Batman Forever soundtrack. Yes. So, one thing I made Stephanie do this past week was listen to a bunch of Kiss from a Rose 
covers. Yeah. Um, none of them are good. Mm-mm. Not good. So, supposedly it actually has Batman-related lyrics. I think they're just lyrics that could be related to Batman. They're lyrics that could be related to Batman, but the song came out on a Seal album. Yes. Prior to Batman Forever being released. Yes. Um... One of the thing, the reasons why it's the best song ever is just listen just to listen it. to it. Yep. All right, so let's move on to some of the opening another beer. So Stephanie opening another beer. Um, let's talk about Shrek right now. Let's talk about Shrek right now. So Shrek has the greatest song known to mankind. Shrek is love. Shrek is life. All star by Smash by Mouth. Smash Mouth. Um. Yeah, no, Shrek soundtrack is just fucking hilarious. I don't understand, like, I love, I do like the Shrek movie. I think it's funny. Oh, I so, do not. What I like about the Shrek movie is that it's geared towards kids, but there are very adult jokes in there that oh, you don't so get many until adult you're jokes. an adult. The fact that Donkey has a multiple babies with a dragon. The fact that the villain is called Lord Farquaad, which is Lord Fuckwad. Oh, I... Did not get that? Did not know that until yeah. just now. Lord Farquaad is obviously Lord Fuckwad. I assumed the joke was that the opening song was All-Star. But no. <laughs> the joke is that his name is Farquaad, which is Fuckwad. There's just a lot of adult jokes, which I think is funny. I just the like the part where they're like, sense. he's trying to interrogate the gingerbread man. He's like, not my gumdrop buttons. <laughs> No, there's a lot of, like, a very adult jokes in there that... It, also, there is a cover of Changes by David Bowie on the Shrek 2 This is another track. example of where the songs don't make any sense in the movie, but it's got some good songs. All-Star is a good song. All right, one of the best... <laughs> and by good, I mean bad. One of the best covers of a song probably ever was the song Africa Hallelujah. Africa by Weezer? <laughs> There's a cover yeah. of the song Hallelujah yeah. originally by Leonard Cohen on yeah. the Shrek soundtrack that is very good. I agree with that. Um, but there's also this David Bowie cover that's just okay. So let's get into kind of some indie albums. Let's go into some other ones. Some so, indie movies that had huge soundtracks, so like 500 Days of Summer in Garden State. So Garden 500 State, Days of Summer. Well, you want to go to Garden State? Well, first? I just want to quickly say like Garden State was actually one of the first movies that really got me into soundtracks. Okay. So, like, Garden State got me into the Fru Fru. Nice. And, um... The Shins. The Shins, yeah. Like... New slang, Caring yeah. is Creepy. Yeah, so the Garden State got me into a lot of, like, traditional indie music that was, like, kind of, not even hipster indie, but, like, mainstream indie. And then I have a note that says, movies that made songs famous... Yes. New slang by the shins in Garden State. I also made that same note about Kiss from a Rose by <laughs> Seal. <laughs> so, such great oh, finds the Iron and Wine version. Yeah. I forget, and I forgot until I looked it up when I was working on this. Um, I the still cover pref- by Iron and Wine. I still prefer the process post summer I mean, I do too. Still service version. Also, this song brought up the song. Um, don't panic. By don't. Coldplay. I hate Coldplay. Don't panic is the only song. I do I like the song. Like, I like panic. the song. Don't panic a lot. I hate Coldplay. But this album featured two songs by the Shins, Sarman and ooh, Sarman. 
Not Sarwin. I don't know what you're trying to say. Simon and Garfunkel. Okay. Iron and Wine, the Frou-Foo. 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 Oh, wow. That took some effort. I'm sorry. Um, this, I don't think the songs are really integrated with the movie, but I think they make sense for the movie. They make sense for the movie. They don't really, like, flow into it. Like, they're not integrated as in, like, there's stuff happening and, like, the songs are part of what's happening, but the songs make sense. And that was one of the first albums that, or the first soundtracks that, or first movies that got me into a soundtrack. So I would say, I mean, we've already established that I love the Twilight soundtracks as yes. much as I hate those films. I've, I think 500 Days of Summer did a similar thing for me with um, bringing you in, like the soundtrack is kind of like songs that go with the movie. Yeah. They're not necessarily songs that take place in the movie. So what I thought was interesting about 500 Days of Summer is it actually got me into the She and Him. Oh, I band. hate She and Him. And like I'm not into them obviously anymore, but it did get me into She and Him. I mean, on the 500 Days of Summer soundtrack, I think that not that that got me into the sh- like into the Smiths, but I think so I had heard the Smiths when I was young. Yeah. But I think when this movie came out, that kind of brought up me listening to the Smiths again. A so light. It's got, there's oh, a light that never goes out. It's very Regina Spector. The Black Lips are on this album. Yeah. You Make My Dreams by Holland Oates. Feist is on this album. This album is so much. Wolf Mother is on this album. Mumra. Oh, she and I him, love. like the one song, the cover of Please, Please, Please Let Me Get What I Want of the Smiths. Don't cover the Smiths. The Pixies are on this album. It's it's a good album. I mean, it's, it's good. good. It's, it's a good soundtrack. It's the Twilight and thing honestly, like these it's songs, a good album. That's these songs, songs do make up. sense for it because, like, it's a very it goes. The album is very hipstery, or the movie is very kind of hipstery. The movie's so fucking hipster. But like these songs sick. make sense for that. Like this. Are the wrong? Yeah, no. The songs make sense for this. What were you trying to I, say? I thought I saw Stone, Stone Temple Pilots and I was very confused. Oh, I always remember that movie got me really into the band The Temper Trap. Yeah. With Sweet Disposition. And I've seen them since that, like, that was the first time I got into them as like, this band's really cool. Yeah. And the rest of their music was so good. Um, so, Kill Bill. Oh, I love the Kill Bill soundtrack. So this one is a cool mix of, like, score and original music and sound effects. Yes. So if you listen to the soundtracks for the Kill Bill movies, both volume one and two, it's got original scores, plus they use like Nancy Sinatra music on there, plus they have RZA doing original music, and then they have the cool sound effects, Mm -hmm. you know, the big siren sound effect that's famous from that film. Yep. It's on the soundtrack. You can yeah. just like listen to it for funsies if you want to. All right, Empire Records. So uh, Empire Records was big in like the early nineties, and it. I used, mean, it makes sense for a movie the, that's about a music store. That the it's all songs that are like yeah. music store songs, and they're all integrated into the movie because it's a music store, and they're playing the sounds, the soundtrack. Oh, Rexy, you're so sexy. Yeah, they're playing the soundtrack <laughs> in the movie. It's a good movie. It's a good soundtrack. Plus, there's weird fake made-up songs yeah. called Say No More, Mona yeah. More. <laughs> um, the Lost Boys. 
Okay, so The Lost Boys being the 80s film yes. involved. There's another one with the score plus 80s music. So the so the big song that came out of the Lost Boys soundtrack is Cry Little Sister. Mm-hmm. Which has been covered by several people. Yes. I mean, in excess. Did I say that weird? Yes, you did. In excess is on this album. Or on the soundtrack. Um, Echo and the Bunny Men. Covering People Are Strained by the, the Doors. doors. Yeah. Um, Thomas Newman. Like, there's a bunch of people on this Roger album. Roger Daltrey covering Elton John. It just, there's a lot of, it's... It's a very alternative soundtrack. Yeah, because that like was try- different. That, that's that album's trying to be that movie is like trying to be super cool and edgy, but yes. it's an '80s vampire movie. So, so. It's, but it's like, I mean, it's a good movie, but it is trying to be cool and edgy, and it has a soundtrack to match that. And then the next one I referenced is just an era of music, and which general, we mentioned before was like which is the, the American Pie. Pop where punk. it's all this pop punk music and Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know though. How does he still not know? It's 2018. How does he not know? Scotty should know by now. I think Scotty knows. I hope so. Um, Shaun of the Dead. It's another similar one where it's a bunch of like contemporary yeah. music. Um, I just made this in for the joke from Archer. So Top Gun. And the song Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins was written for this film. So, Which you know, you played earlier. Something, something, Danger Zone. Cool. Something, something, Danger Zone. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, we can quickly go through the next couple. I wrote Where the Wild Things Are, which is Karen O from the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. Yeah. So it's Karen O and the Kids. Her. Which is. Karen O and yeah. Ezra Koig from Vampire Weekend. Yep. Alright, so I'm going to try and say this artist's name, but the reason that Life Aquatic with Steve Zuzo is, the, that soundtrack is so good, is because it features David Bowie covers by Sue George, who's a Brazilian musician, singer, and songwriter, and he sings the entire album in Portuguese. Okay. And it's really cool. And that's why one of that that album just stands out so well, because he essentially just sings all Bowie covers in Portuguese. Gotcha. While playing acoustically, and they also show him, because it's a Wes Anderson film, they show him like in the corner of scenes, like playing during the film. Gotcha. I don't know. It's really cool. So um, you don't have Scott Pilgrim on here. I do. It's further down. Oh. Yeah, let's go to Scott Pilgrim, whose album is by Beck. Yeah, so the Edgar Wright, who, I mean, directed Baby Driver, got, I think, kind of bigger through Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and that soundtrack takes inspiration from, like, Beck. All the songs that are the band Sex Bob-omb are by Beck. Yes. And then plus it's got the Black Lips, plus it's got... Other Iggy Pops music is influenced in there. They take Broken Social Scene in there. Like, there's a lot of other music that was, you know. And then staying on the Michael Sarah train, Juno had a very good soundtrack. The Moldy Peaches. Yeah, the Moldy Peaches. Um, and we're just trying to, like, keep it quick so that we're not, like, over fucking two hours on this point. Yeah. Um, let's get into... 
Can I talk about the next one? So yeah. the next one is The Crow. So The Crow oh is a 1994 so Brandon Lee movie. That, that movie makes me so sad because yeah. Brandon Lee died. But that soundtrack no, features my favorite song that The Cure has ever done. Yeah. Burn? Yes. So that soundtrack is absolutely incredible. So it features... That whole movie, like everything about that movie is incredible. I think the first time I saw it, I was like maybe five or six. The movie came out in 94. Yeah, so I, I was like very young. Yeah. Maybe even four or five. And I I didn't see it. that movie until I was an adult. Oh, like, I, I remember my brother My cousin it, used to make but... me watch it and I loved it. It was such a good movie. Like the movies, I was visiting. It doesn't the and he hold made me watch up. It. No, but, but it's a good. He used to movie. make me watch it, and then as an adult, I found out that Brandon Lee died during the filming. I that soundtrack to me is that's as much as I talk about how much I love the Twilight soundtrack. I think my favorite soundtrack is probably The Crow. So between Burn by The Cure and then. Nine Inch Nails covering Joy Division. I mean, just quickly naming some of the bands that are on the Crows soundtrack. Rage Against the Machine. The Cure, Nine Inch Nails, Stunt Temple Pilots. I mean, like I already said. Viola Febs. That's my favorite song. That's an original song with The Cure. A lot of these songs are covers. Like Nine Inch Nails did a Joy Division cover. Yeah, I mean. But that song, Burn by The Cure, is probably one of my favorite songs The Cure has ever done. And it's no, I mean, just there's a lot soundtrack. of really good original songs though, like "Snake Driver" by the Jesus and Mary Chain. Um, the Jesus and Mary Chain. What did I just say? The Juice and Mary Chain. I said Jesus, but I you slurred said juice. it. Doesn't matter. Um, yeah, no, this is a very good. It's got a lot of like heavy hitters on there, and I almost wonder. Like, I haven't seen it since I've been like an adult. Um, if it's more so like they're throwing in bands. Because um, they're famous. I, I think this should be our next movie night. Is we to watch. Yeah. We just, so, we, in inspiration for this episode, we watched Drive it last was suggested night. by a lot of friends as a good movie soundtrack, and neither of us had seen it. Yeah, so, you know, the 2011 Ryan Gosling film. So we watched that. Because of the soundtrack, yes. so I think our next movie night should be The Crow because yes. of the soundtrack. And then because I haven't seen it as an adult. Like, last I haven't either. I was maybe like 12. Yeah, I haven't seen this movie in a long time. Yeah. Probably I since I was younger than 12. I, I mean, I think the last time I saw it was when I was, was sometime in the 2000s, or the early 90s. Yeah. Like the late 90s. Uh, so I definitely agree that we should see this. I'm looking at the Wikipedia article and it says, the music in the film, which is not included in the soundtrack... Is instead on the motion picture score of original, mostly orchestral music. Um, Cool. And that, so like they have two albums basically. The similarly to like how Black Panther did. Yeah, the score and then the soundtrack. Cool. We gotta watch this. Yeah. A couple other movies that had cool soundtracks that we're not gonna go into a ton of detail on Romeo plus Juliet, Friday. Rushmore, The Graduate, Do the Right Thing, Once, The Blues Brothers, Call Me By Your Name, and we I wrote Harry Potter again because I was a drunk asshole. <laughs> um, I do want to mention quickly, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? The George Clooney film. Yep. I so do like that movie. That a is a bunch of like southern, not, not gospel, but like 
I don't know how to describe that music either. So it's like bluegrass music, yeah. like traditional bluegrass music, yeah. and they like covered it. Yeah, they just re-recorded it for the movie, and I feel like that movie does so much with the music, even though it's not a musical. Yeah, so much of that music drives that storyline. Agreed. Specifically, like the siren song when they're standing in the water, and like the sirens are singing to them. Yeah, I agree. Um, just going quickly over movie, movies that made songs big. So as we mentioned. Batman Forever for Kiss from a Rose. Garden State and You Slang. I wrote down Despicable Me Too. Kind of blew up the song Happy by Pharrell. Yeah. Space Jam, I Believe I Can Fly. By R. Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> and also Space Jam. Come on, it's like And welcome to yep. the jam. That one. Um, James Bond had like... The theme songs for James Bond every year. So, like, I think one of the... So, Spectre, that one song by Adele. Skyfall. Skyfall. Writing on the Walls, which was the song for Spectre. Is that the Radiohead song? Spectre wasn't Radiohead. Sam Smith. Or Spectre older. Spectre? There was a Radiohead. There was a Radiohead song that I don't think was ever used. Skyfall. And then, obviously, I think the biggest one is probably Live and Let Die by Paul McCartney. Yeah. Agree. Um... We can cover, go over cover songs, but like, there's a lot cover songs, um, The Life Aquatic. Yeah. Such Great Heights. From Garden State. Yeah. Um, My Chemical Romance did a cover of the song Desolation Row for The Watchmen. Karen O did a cover of Immigrant Song. For Girl the Dragon Tattoo. Um. Broken Broken Social Scene. scene. That was (laughs) weird. (laughs) Did Love Will Tear Us Apart. The Lemonheads covered Miss... Mrs. Robinson for Wayne's World. As we mentioned, the cover of Hallelujah and Shrek. Everybody Wants to Rule the World, which is originally by Tears for Fears, yeah. was covered by Lord for The Hunger Games. Mad World, which is also originally by Tears for Fears, was covered for Donnie Darko. Like, cover songs have been yeah. a big deal in yeah. driving some of the movie stuff. So, and then just to quickly touch on songs and movies but not on the soundtrack because there were a so, lot of songs that we've seen in movies that were not on the soundtrack. So, pretty much anything by Harry Belafonte yeah. from the Beatles Juice soundtrack. I actually don't think the Immigrant Song was on the Thor soundtrack. I think the Thor soundtrack was wasn't. just a score and it, like the Immigrant Song wasn't on it because when I listened, when I looked for the Thor soundtrack I could only find the score. And then, um... The song 15th Step was used in the credits for the yep. original Twilight film, but it never made the soundtrack. Drive had at least one song on the soundtrack, and I can't... I feel like Drive took inspiration Drive was confusing. From, yeah, so Drive, Drive was, When we were trying to find the soundtrack for the movie Drive, we found five songs that were actually in the movie, or at least uh, three songs at least. Yeah. Three or four songs that were actually in the movie, and then like a score as well. So, it was very confusing about what it was, because there was a score and there were songs in the movie, mm-hmm. um, but it was kind of confusing in that extent. And then, we do want to talk about songs written for movies, because, like, yeah. Stephanie found out yesterday, two days ago, about a Radiohead song that was specifically written for a movie that you didn't realize was written for a movie. Yeah, so, let's just run through this, and I mean... Um, the Ghostbusters theme. The Ghostbusters theme. I can't even say Ghostbusters. I ain't afraid no ghosts. I mean, I, 
Obviously, that was written yeah for Ghostbusters. I wrote "Dancer in the Dark," so that's the Bjork film. So the song "I've Seen It All," which is Bjork and Tom York. Yep. Um, Danger Zone. Yes. Something something Danger Zone. Lose yourself from Eight Mile. Let's do the next one last. Okay. Fight the Power by Public Enemy was written for the movie Do the Right Thing. Everything is awesome for the Lego, the Lego movie. movie. Yeah. My Heart Will Go On from Titanic. Don't You Forget About Me. From The Breakfast Club. Yeah. Um, and then... Eye of the Tiger was in Rocky. Yes. And then If You Want to Sing Out, Sing Out by Cat Stevens, I did not realize was, in, realize was in Harold and Maude. It was I, written for Harold and Maude. That. that entire soundtrack... I knew was Cat Stevens. I did not realize that, that was song written was written for that movie. And I then Mrs. Robinson from by Simon and Garfunkel was written for The Graduate. Gotcha. And the final one we could talk about. Yes. I flipped out realizing that Exit Movie for a film was written for Romeo plus Juliet. Is that not just called Romeo and Juliet? It's Romeo plus Juliet because Romeo and Juliet is something different. Okay. Um, no, I actually didn't know that. Um, I until did. Like, it's so you, yeah. 90s. No, it is. But when he told me that, I was like, how do you not know? Um, but because so the song Exit Moving for a Film stands is... out way beyond Romeo plus Juliet. Oh, I know. It's like... If you like Radiohead, you know the song I'm is a Radiohead song. You don't know the song is a Romeo plus Juliet I've song. I've never seen a Romeo plus Juliet. I haven't either. That's the thing. That's why I mean, like, it's... I, I happen to know this because I had looked it up at some point, but you know it as a Radiohead song and not as a movie soundtrack song. So that's, like, that's kind of interesting how, like, some of these songs, like, I Have the Tiger and the... Danger Zone and Lose Yourself. And I think movie Danger Zone was another big one that I was surprised by. Yeah, like, you don't realize that these are... And my heart will go on. Well, I mean, I guess you know that's from Titanic, but, like, these songs kind of transcend above the movies that they were yeah. written for. And so that's the interesting thing. Like, that's so, what we want to talk about really quickly. Let's... Quickly touch on Disney soundtracks. We'll save that for another episode. Let's do an, a Disney music episode. Okay. So, a couple of other soundtracks we just want to touch on very quickly that they exist and that we would like to save for a future episode yeah. for a larger discussion. So, obviously, Disney soundtracks are their own fucking ball game. Yes. Like, we will Agreed. have a... We can do a... We'll we can talk for another hour and a half on just Disney soundtracks. And we would we like... We have talked for another we hour We would like... Half. We're going to do an episode on... Disney films and Disney soundtracks. Yes, and why they are so iconic, why people fucking love them. We also would like to do an episode, and we will absolutely do this episode. During Halloween. During October. Honestly, we have so many episode ideas for October that we're probably going to have to, like, extend October to, like... 12 months. <laughs> well, that's a how we full our, year of Halloween. That's how we live our lives, but, like, to maybe, like, a week before, like, the episode before. Yeah. The two episodes during, and then the episode after. So, like we would like to episodes. discuss horror soundtracks and horror scores. Because we really just want to keep talking about the Halloween theme. Pretty much. John Carpenter, yeah. all that shit. But I do want to make a comment that Consequence of Sound has said that the number one soundtrack of all time is Saturday Night Fever. Ugh. I mean, it makes sense, but... And my initial comment was, fucking lame. 
But and then your you, after comment is if you think it about it, sense. their reasoning makes sense. So the album is iconic in that it sets up an entire cultural movement within twenty songs. Essentially, like each it's, song is thoughtfully chosen for the movie, right? And you know, I agree, it makes sense, but. Uh, I wouldn't call it the number one soundtrack of all time. So, what would you quickly call your number one soundtrack of all time? And why is it Black Panther? <laughs> I think that my number one soundtrack of all time is The Crow. I was actually going to say that too. But honestly, it makes sense that we would agree on this. So, it's... The bo- Crow or Garden State? Mine but would more be, Garden State for nostalgia's sake. Mine would be The Crow or Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. See, I would say Garden State for nostalgia, but like for legitimate reasons, I would pick The Crow. Legitimate reasons, I would pick The Crow. The Crow um, or like present day, I would pick uh, I Black listen Panther. to the song... I listen to Black Panther all the time. I listen to The Crow soundtrack yeah, no, constantly. I yeah. And which is kind of surprising being me... That my favorite album was not one of the Twilight ones, because Muse yeah. is on every single I album. I have also been listening to the Drive soundtrack a lot, and I fucking... And by that, I mean the five songs that are actually songs in yeah. the Drive soundtrack. I have been listening to that on repeat for the last couple Let's days. do a quick run-through of the input from our friends yes. and followers that have said what their favorite soundtrack is. So, Drive, as we mentioned. We had several people say Drive, and yeah. that literally was like... The reason that we watched it. We watched it last night yeah, together. Because everyone like, said Drive. We have to watch this. Because we have never seen it. We have never heard the soundtrack. I listened to the soundtrack actually before we watched the movie. I did too. And I really liked the soundtrack, so I was like, I'm excited to see where these songs fit in the movie. Fits into maybe the first 20 minutes, and then after that, just kind of score. Yeah. Um, but no, it was a good movie. Very confusing. Um, but the soundtrack was good, and so that was a good recommendation. We also have Remember the Titans. I did not get around to that one. Have you never seen that movie? No. That movie's a lot of, like, 60s, really 70s, upbeat music. Yeah. The, I mean, the soundtrack. Oh. Soundtrack-wise. I've never seen the movie. I've never listened like, to the Like, Ain't No movie. Mountain High is on oh. there. Like, lots of good, late 60s, 70s songs. Gotcha. It's good feeling. Space Jam. Come on and slam. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the, the jam. jam. Um, Little Nicky. I haven't... Let's look at... Hold on. Let's look up that soundtrack. I haven't ever looked that up before. Then we also had someone say Shrek. Thanks, Rachel. Shocking. Oh, it's like Incubus, the Deftones, Linkin Park. Alright, and then we have Art of Flight. So Art of Flight is a lot of like M83 music and like ambient music. That makes sense. Um... Across the Across universe, universe, which is all Beatles covers. I hate that movie so much. I do much. too, but that soundtrack's real good. I prefer regular Beatles versions of it, and I well, hate that movie. that was one of our co-workers who recommended no, that I, one. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I hate that movie. I prefer the, the original Beatles versions, but Let me make sure they I'm... did choose good songs to cover. The only reason I like that movie is because Jim Sturgis is <sighs> real attractive. No. Disagree. Um, no, that's an okay. And then Call Me By Your Name from another coworker. Another coworker said Call Me By Your Name. Um, 
Oh, um, our friend Julia said 10 things I hate about you. That was a good soundtrack, honestly. Because it had, like, Letters to Cleo on it. Oh, that's right. That was a good soundtrack. She also It wrote, was a lot of, like, femme-forward bands. Like, yeah. Like, a lot of female-fronted bands, and I like that. She also said Deadpool 1 and 2. Yep. I had four people on my status say Drive. Drive. Brad- the song Nightcaller. Night Call? Night Call. The song Night Call is so good. Our friend Brian said Lost in Translation and Donnie Darko. And then former Kate's boyfriend Rodrigo said Kung Fury. Gotcha. We got some good input on this We did. And it's nice to get input. It's nice to be able to talk about the stuff. And like, the reason we ask for input is also so that we can kind of do our own research Based on your input. So, like, yeah. we can only research so much online. It's I mean, nice to I get do. other... Stephanie can only research so much online. It's nice to get other people's inputs that, like, we can actually research. Yeah. So, like, having found the, dra- the Drive soundtrack, that was nice. We just, we like, had hung no out and watched a movie that. last night because we had no idea that was a movie that existed. And also because Stephanie lives down the street now. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, like, that was nice. And, like, if we do ask again, please, please... Give us some Give feedback. Give us some feedback. Because we, like, we love to be able to. Yeah. We love to be able to hear about like your thoughts and be able to talk about them. Um But I think that's it. I mean, Do you have any other notes about your favorite soundtracks other than the crow being a wonderfully underrated soundtrack? Um No, I mean I loved Garden Stay, as I mentioned. Yep. Um The Crow. Black Panther. Black Panther, Scott Pilgrim, Juno. Drive. The I will songs, say, I think the Scott Pilgrim soundtrack is pretty underrated. Um, I agree. I agree with that one. Um, and then if we're not getting to like... Kind of Do like you want to say, what is your favorite score for a film? I just want to know. Ooh. It depends. I mean, the Star Wars... Score always brings me back to Star Wars. Like, the whereas, like, I feel like I can listen to the Harry Potter score and not like th- I can listen to Harry Potter Harry Potter score outside of Harry Potter. Whereas, That's like, fair. Star Wars always brings me to Star Wars. Harry Potter brings me to like a different place. So, like, I can listen to all any of the Harry Potter scores by themselves without thinking about Harry Potter, except for Hedwig's theme. I. Almost would have to pick as my choice. I mean, as much as I don't like Nine Inch Nails, I love Trent Reznor's score music. Yeah, I mean, I think I like traditional scores where they're like, there's not really much actual like music, contemporary music or temp music. It's just like scores that are built for the Although, if I were to pick my favorite soundtrack, or score based soundtrack, it's probably, I mean, I don't know what movie I'd pick, but it's probably a Danny Elfman work. That's interesting. I would pick... I I mean, The Nightmare Before Christmas has been my favorite movie since See, I was I like years The Nightmare Before Christmas, but I for scores, I personally prefer just instrumental. I'm not saying that that would be that film no, would be uh, my no, I choice, get that. but like, I'm I saying just prefer the like type more of epic of instrumental. 
I love the Beetlejuice overture. Yeah. So I can't. Like, oh, why am I? I'm gonna pick fucking Halloween theme. John Carpenter. John Carpenter Halloween theme. No. We're saving. I'm just kidding. It's actually it's it's probably Harry Potter, or Jurassic Park. The Jurassic it's something Park by John Williams. Very, John Williams has done some incredible work. Some iconic work. Um, but that's our episode. Yeah. Um, Let us know if there are scores or soundtracks that you like that we didn't talk about. Yeah, let us know. I would love to know what other people are listening to. I would love a to lot listen of, to them. We found some really great soundtracks. I mean, a lot of people right now have been listening to the Westworld soundtrack, and I know that's yes. been a big deal, so we've been listening to a lot of that lately. Yeah. So something we've, that's not that We've be been cool. doing a lot of soundtrack listening for this episode, and I've gotten into a lot of soundtracks, so it's been nice to find things that I don't wouldn't normally listen to. Yeah. So if you have soundtrack recommendations, music recommendations, just any kind of recommendations, just let us know. Yeah, let us know. And uh, let's see what uh, Derek has to say yeah. about all of this and his soundtrack choices. this whole thing by letting you know that I'm sick and I have also taken NyQuil so you can probably go ahead and just turn this off. I shouldn't have taken it until after I did this to be honest. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Okay so we're talking about, we're talking about uh, fuck what are we talking about? Soundtracks. Alright, so, uh, soundtracks. Um, having absolutely no idea what soundtracks they talked about, uh, my intention was just to mention a few from, uh, primarily the 90s that were, that were pretty awesome. Uh, I think most of the ones I'm gonna mention are ones that pretty much everybody had, uh, because they were just that good. Uh, starting with the Crow soundtrack, uh, that one was pretty huge. Um, having bands like The Cure and Stone Temple Pilots, Rage Against the Machine, uh, that was a pretty excellent soundtrack. I think that might have been one of the first soundtracks I ever got, because it was just so damn good. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, this is going to be, actually I'm going to save that one for last, sorry. Uh, the next one is the, uh, soundtrack to this film called Judgment Night, which was actually kind of a shitty movie. Uh, it's a movie about these guys who go to some sporting, I think they were trying to go to some boxing, uh, event, <clears throat> and Jeremy Piven was like a, uh, RV salesman who was one of their best friends, so he, like, borrowed an RV and then they end up witnessing a murder and Dennis Leary chases him. Uh, shitty movie, but uh, it was it was a soundtrack that had rock group like famous or popular rock groups at the time uh, performing songs with uh, hip hop or rap artists uh, also from the time. It was in the like early '90s, so uh, you had like House of Pain did a song with Helmet, uh, Slayer did a song with Ice T. Dinosaur Jr. did a song with Del the Funky Homo Sapien, which is actually an awesome song. 
and then you had like Pearl Jam with Cypress Hill. So it was pretty cool. Uh, I don't really know how it would hold up to somebody who listens to it for the first time now, but I listen to it still, and I think it's awesome. Uh, next is probably the biggest soundtrack from My Light Youth, which is the singles soundtrack. Uh, the movie itself is about uh, living in Seattle and being like a grunge musician. Uh, like Matt Dillon's in it. And I think even the band he's in in the movie is... Uh, I think it's essentially Pearl Jam. Uh, and I don't mean like they're trying to be Pearl Jam. I, I mean that the people who are in the band in the film are actually the members of Pearl Jam. Like Eddie Vedder's in it and... Jeff Ament and Chris Cornell actually plays a big role. Uh, I want to say that the movie was l kind of influenced by Chris Cornell. Because uh, he was in the movie, a couple of his songs are in the soundtrack, Pearl Jam's on there, Alice in Chains, Smashing Pumpkins. I mean, it's a fucking awesome soundtrack. Uh, but that's one of those that literally everybody had. Um, and if you haven't heard it, I, I recommend it because it's got some amazing songs. Uh... The last full soundtrack I want to talk about is the uh, the original Batman soundtrack, the Michael Keaton Batman, because it was primarily done by Prince. Uh, and if you have not heard the song Bat Dance, uh, listen to it. It is probably the shittiest thing ever recorded. So you should, you should listen to it. Um... And then last is not a soundtrack, but, well, I'm, I'm going to mention it. It's the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack. The song On Our Own by Bobby Brown is fucking awesome. If you were alive in the 80s, uh, you probably love that song. So that was the episode. You can follow all of our shenanigans and watch while we act as a beer social media account that masquerades as a podcast. Yeah, we have all the socials, as you know. Um, so keep in touch with us. Say hi. We like friends. And uh, come hang out if you're in All right, that was the episode. You can keep up with all of our lives and... Drunken shenanigans. Drunken shenanigans on social media and the interwebs. Yes, we are, for first and foremost, a beer Instagram pretending to be a podcast Instagram. That's accurate. Yeah, I would say so. Um, so come follow all of our socials. We have all of them. All of them. Uh, we're... Drunken and Cultured Podcast on the Facebook. We are Drunk Uncultured on Twitter. Because Drunk and Uncultured was too long of a name. We are on Instagram as Drunk and Uncultured. And we have a Gmail account slash email, I guess. Gmail is not the right word to That's use. Gmail is the right word. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, we have an email account on Gmail. <laughs> Uh, if you want to contact us about any opinions you have, things you want to hear, 
things that are too long for Twitter, or like 200, longer than 280 characters. Or, you know, you just want to say hi. Yeah. So that's drunkanduncultured at gmail.com. We have a kind of website that is drunkandunculturedpodcast.com. Eventually will be a real website. Hopefully. Or maybe never. Maybe you know. not. It might just be something that we own the, the, the domain to and never actually use. <laughs> I make a Spotify playlist for every episode. She so. does. So listen to it. Subscribe. Let Steph feel fulfilled in life and it's validate called, her. It's called Drunk and Uncultured Music. We're on Spotify. And, and it's a good playlist. I listen, I listen to it all the time. I change it every couple of weeks because it's whatever we're listen to, listening to or like it's themed around the episode yeah, sometimes. It's really good usually. Always. Shouldn't say usually. She gave me a mean look. <laughs> um, we both have our individual socials. Stephanie is at underscore Stephen Color. And Lindsay is at Lindsay Sold Out. So if you like the show, please go online um, on whatever your favorite podcast streaming service is. Or if we're, you know, reaching you. If you're listening to this illegally somehow, I don't know how. I don't know how. Just, like, subscribe, rate us, like us, leave a review, whatever Float your boat. If we're reaching you, you know, telepathically, just uh, reach out back at us.